we go again, feeling ready to begin. Listen up, push play, and plug your headphones in. Another draft has come to pass. Now build your deck, ascend the ranks, let Jeff and Sean pitch in. Yeah, just let us pitch in. Help you out. That's why we're here. Yeah, yeah, shout. Let me hear you shout. Hey! Recording Magic Arena Drafting Club Sunday morning. Welcome, everybody. I want to talk about several things this morning. Um, I've done a couple drafts, I want to talk about those. I have a theory I want to talk about, and uh, I want to embarrass Sean for a minute as well. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. You can uh, go to our website, Magic Green Drafting Club. bunch of cool links there, including our kitties. One of them is laying by me right now. He was out all night. Now he's laying next to me. You may hear chickens in the background. There are chickens in the other room, baby chickens. I think they're about three weeks old now. They're spending their days outside with their nights inside now. So here we are, Sunday morning. We play limited magic. We play it a lot. So let's uh, start off by embarrassing Sean. Um, this is a one drop. Sean's not on this one, but you all know who Sean is. And Sean taught me an important lesson in life that I'm going to share with all of you. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put my dad down for this because I believe he was a better father than his father. We all try to get better. But my dad had this habit of constantly talking smack to me about other people in our lives. He would talk smack to me about my mom. He would talk smack to me about my brother. You know, he was a, he talked behind people's backs and, you know, kind of put them down. I'm not sure why he did it, but that was one of his things. And then I eventually learned as I got older, that means he was also talking smack about me when he was around them. It's just the way he was. I think he maybe did it to like motivate people or to create competition. I don't know. Not healthy. Um, but Sean, when he came into my life, I learned from him. <clears throat> I always wanted to be popular growing up because I wasn't popular at all. You know, I was a nerd. I was overweight and played D&D when it wasn't cool. Didn't have a girlfriend for a really long time. Didn't kiss a girl until I was 17. Um... When I met Sean, he was super, super, super popular, but not necessarily outgoing, if that's the right word, not the life of the party, but super popular. And what I, I learned over the years as we became better and better friends, you know, we met when I was like, I don't know, 16, 15. Um, what I learned is he never talked smack about anybody. Ever. I can't think of a time, which is really weird because everybody does it every once in a while. You know, your, fr your friend pisses you off, so you go to another friend to validate your opinion. And you say, oh, somebody's doing so-and-so. Oh, I can't believe them. They're being such a dare-to-dare. Sean literally never, ever does that. He never talks bad about anybody that is in his life. Sometimes he'll talk bad about people who aren't in his life. He never does it about people who are who he knows, you know, 
which is really cool because then you get this sense of comfort where you're like, wow, that means he never does it about me either. And that means he just has a this level of respect for people that you don't see very often in humans. So there we go. I've embarrassed Sean. He taught me a life lesson. I'm telling you people, take this life lesson to heart. I do the same thing with my son. I explain to him <clears throat> one of the best ways um, to approach life is to treat everybody with respect and never talk bad about people behind their back. And uh, I say do that. Let's do that. Okay. On to magic. Here we go. Uh, theory. I want to talk about card draw theory. So you know I'm a numbers guy. Uh, I think that's what got me into magic. Uh, I went to school for statistics. I don't necessarily have a passion for it, but it is a skill of mine. And uh, so I like some of the numbers games of magic. I like figuring out how many lands of different colors to play and doing some of that math. I like figuring out the math of curves. And uh, I like the math that goes behind card draw decks. <clears throat> And it's a really simple theory that I just want to explain to everybody who might be a little newer. And the theory is, if you have a deck with card draw in it, like these blue spells that draw two cards, or maybe draw three cards, or even four cards, keep your curve low. Keep your curve low. Okay, so if you don't, what's going to happen is you're going to have a handful of expensive spells, and you just can't unload them fast enough, and your opponent kills you because you spent all this time drawing cards, and now you're only deploying one threat per turn. And it's just not enough because your opponent already has threats on the board, and now they're interacting with your threats. What you want in a card draw deck, especially a deck with a lot of card draw, like a deck that has three, four ways to get, you know, card draw, is you have a lot of cheap interaction, preferably ways to bounce your cre opponent's creatures, kill your opponent's creatures, combat tricks, stuff like that. That way you can use all the ex these extra cards in your hand, actually use them to your advantage. That way you have, maybe you only have two or three open mana, but you have several spells in your hand that all cost between one and three. So you can do things with that mana after you've drawn all these spells. So just as a little quick public service announcement to uh, any new players out there. If you ever build these blue decks that get a lot of uh, advantage through card draw, which is not cycling, by the way, that's a totally different thing. Don't conflate the two. We're talking about a spell that draws multiple more cards. And then to break those down a little more, um, divination's a little different than the other ones. Divination is, uh, in this set, it's called Of One Mind, and it's one blue, two colorless, and you draw two cards, and it's a sorcery. This one has a little bit of a different place in some metas where if you just play one or two of these in your deck, you can still have a really high curve because what these will sometimes do is on turn three, allow you to find your extra land and a lot of times your land of a different color. So there are decks out there that are just, you know, nice, powerful decks with, let's say, higher curves that will just play like one or two divinations in their deck and that's fine you can have a high curve with those types of decks i'm not talking about that in the first part of this conversation i'm saying if you are a card drawing deck you know you have boon from this set which is like draw four for example plus a couple of other ways to draw cards keep your curve low that way you can actually use all these cards you're drawing all right so that's my second thing i'm gonna take a little drink of coffee here before i talk about the decks i've been playing take a little sip sip Mm. 
Fred had mentioned it earlier, we started a Patreon. You can see it through our website, magicgreenerdraftingclub.com. And, uh, alright, last topic. Did two more drafts yesterday. Uh, you know, reason one of the reasons I want to do this podcast and I want to do it so often is because I want to know how the meta's changing, right? And uh, I don't necessarily like going out on discussion boards. It's just not my thing. <clears throat> I usually find my eyeballs are busy in the way I approach life, and so usually my ears are free. And so I use podcasts a lot. I leverage podcasts a lot when my eyeballs are free. I usually use that time with my family or actually playing the game, not researching the game. So as much as I could, might be able to get out of uh, watching a ton of Twitch or discussion boards, I don't do it as much just because that's not my lifestyle. I like podcasts. And so I wish every morning I woke up and there was like two or three new limited podcasts every day. You know, Sean and I both come from like the fantasy football world. We played a lot of that over the past decade. And uh, in that world, you wake up every day and you can listen to tons of podcasts if you want all the newest stuff going on. And for me, that's great. Because again, I have the type of lifestyle where my ears are free most of the day and I can just listen to tons of pods, take all that info in. But with Limited, I've been, you know, I just crave more. There's a few really good podcasts out there about Limited and I listen to them, but it's like some days none of them post one. Some days you just don't get one. And uh, that's one of the reasons I want to post more often is because if there's people like me out there who just crave this stuff and just can take in as much as is possibly out there. I mean, I listen to like Arena Deckless and I don't even play Standard just for more magic content, right? I don't even like Standard. I don't know. I, I just want more magic content, right? Uh, so I'm, that's what I'm trying to do for Limited. I'm just trying to fill more content out there every day or every other day. And that's why coming back full circle here, I'm talking about, I'm just talking about the two decks I played yesterday because it's just up to date recent stuff. And uh, just giving you my take. So I went 3-0 with a Kahira, I believe it is, which is the one where you have to play certain types of creatures. First picked it, and then, you know, pretty quickly decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it my companion. And so obviously took the creatures that fit those creature types, took removal very highly, um, also took the dual lands very highly. So this is kind of what I want to talk about here is once you commit to one of these companion strategies, you might be as early as like pick four or five and be like, wow, there's n literally nothing in here for me. Or there is something, but I'd have to break from companion. It's a good card. Maybe it's a, you know, dream tail heron. I don't know. It's, it's a good card, right? You see a good card but it doesn't fit with Companion. That's when I'm really likely to pick up dual lands if they're in the pack, especially if I'm in pack one. That just opens me up so much more. And it helped me out a lot in this particular draft because I ended up being four-color Kahira and just able to play good creatures from four different colors because I think I had seven different dual lands by the time the draft was over. So I was really able to support it. And I just think that goes for a lot of the Companions. If you pick up Lurus, or if you pick up uh, uh, Obash, you know, these types of cards, these powerful companions early, and you're like, I'm going to go for it, and your first couple picks support that, it does look like you're getting a deck going, 
don't be afraid to <clears throat> quote unquote punt a pick and be like, I'm just not going to take this other pretty good card in here because it won't work for my companion. I'm just going to pick up a dual land, even if it's not really in my colors. Because I'm just speculating for long term because that's going to let me play more good cards that do fit my companion theme. So yeah, that's all I have to say about that. And so that one went uh, 3-0. It was like mostly creatures. I tried to avoid three drops as much as possible because I knew I was usually going to be playing Kahira on three. However, I will say more and more lately, I have not been playing my companions immediately. A lot of times your opponent's waiting for it and you're leaving out mana and stuff like this. <laughs> and so, you know, I find sometimes I've learned playing against people who beat me with their companions. A lot of times they wait to play them out. And so I've been trying to be more strategic with my companions and not just rushing them out. And so uh, I did try to avoid three drops, but I didn't necessarily always play Kahira on three. And yeah, usually just overpower your opponent with creatures because this was a very heavy creature deck. I would really valued two drops. That way Kahira could come out on three and I could smack them. Really valued removal. And then I think I played like uh, one or two combat tricks just because I had so many creatures in the deck. I believe one of them was the uh, green one. that gives plus three, plus oh, and... Uh, Trample, and the other one was the red one that leaves a first strike counter. And so, yeah, that one went 3-0. It wasn't an easy 3-0, I'll say. I think uh, at least two, if not all three of the games, went to three. Uh, Kahira isn't completely busted, but still very powerful and worth building around. And then finally, I drafted... Uh, it looked like a Cycling was like kind of open. <laughs> which happens a lot lately is cycling's kind of open but it, it seemed like it was open enough so I went for it I have played one game with it and I lost but it was to a Luris deck and it's tough to beat some of these decks you know I didn't have a companion um, I only had 9 1 mana cyclers which sounds pretty good but I'd like to have more like 11 um and then my payoffs were okay. I didn't have a Valiant Rescuer, but I did have one Zenith Flare. I had one of the Tappers. You know, my payoffs weren't great, but I did get beat to them. And uh, yeah, Lurus is just good. There wasn't too much I could do about that. I think I just didn't find my Zenith Flare uh, quick enough in one game, and it was stolen by a Mind Leak in another game. There, that goes to show you, hey, if you have Mind Leak in your hand, you're playing against uh, Boros, just pop it off. Take that Zenith Flare, because a lot of times that's your opponent's win condition. Um, we'll see how the deck does. Uh, again, I lost to Lurus, uh, which is tough to beat. It was a good Lurus deck. Oh, and here's my rant I wanted to go on. My opponent uh, in Game 2 brought out Lurus. and Game 1, they didn't play it. In Game 2, they brought out Lurus and uh, emoted me, oops. I get triggered by the emotes, man. <laughs> I don't like when people oops me, and I don't like when people uh, sorry me. And I'm even very resident, reticent to respond to people when they say something. If they're like, oops, I'm reticent to be like sorry because I'm afraid they're going to take it the wrong way because I think a lot of times I take it the wrong way. I don't know why I get so worked up about these things, but I do when somebody is like, sorry, or oops. I'm like, you son of a... I want to beat them so bad. So I suppose mission accomplished for them, huh? They got me. They got me. Um, that's all I got for today, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed a little extra limited content in your life on a Sunday. And uh, be good.